Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. To RB1 Gold A Fantasy Football Podcast brought to you by Fake Teams and Amazon. Or at least until they give us a cease and desist. Um, I am your humble host, Pete Rogers, joined as always by Just Clark Barnes and Mr. Class Jordan Smith. Um, Jordan, I'm sure you're doing well, but really, what we're all waiting for, drum roll, please. Clark, talk to us with his brand new microphone brought to you by Amazon. Hey, Pete. I'd uh, like to thank. All the fine people at Amazon for offering such an affordable good at such an affordable price. So, uh, Amazon, get get on this free marketing. Oh, you sound amazing, Clark. And, sound- I, and I promise we will work on the reads once we get a little bit more support. Yes, I can do better than that. I know I can. Yeah, we'll get better. We'll get better at the reads. Um, they are in front of us. They are completely fabricated by our, but you know, created by us. But um, but we'll get better at them. We promise. <laughs> Also, that new pair of New Balances I got. Very comfortable. Very comfortable. Whew. Man, Amazon. Just, if you have something you need, go to Amazon.com and click it into the search bar. And Jordan, I saw you tweet that New Balance is looking to revive (laughs) its basketball brand. Yes, New Balance, sponsored by Clark Barnes and Gordon Hayward. (laughs) That made my day of like, that's really on brand. And I was like... What does he mean? Oh, yep. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Extremely right, yep. on brand. It's like New Balance wants to get back into basketball shoes. And we're going to go with Gordon Hayward. Hey, who's the tallest white guy on the Celtics? <laughs> Let's go get that guy. Who's who's the uh, the best white guy in the league? Uh, it's either Kevin Love or Gordon Hayward. It's even better when you remember that Gordon Hayward went to Butler. That, uh, that's just completely on. It's just perfect. Uh, New Balance really did their, their research when picking their no, – trying to figure out who their spokesperson was going to be for their new line of basketball shoes. What NBA play what NBA player looks shoes. like they still mow their own lawn? <laughs> <laughs> Gordon Hayward, for sure. Still mows his own lawn. Definitely. Well, of course. That's not insulting. No, of course not. That's that's taking uh, taking pride of, of the area that you live in. Exactly. I mean, that's just what should happen. You should always Fine. care for the the horticulture around your apartment. <laughs> oh, townhome in Boston has a great yard. Just, I'm sorry for derailing the podcast. Dropping the word horticulture. The problem is, is I'm worried. I said it once correctly, and now I'm just thinking I'm going to say like horny culture, which is not how you say it. It's <laughs> horticulture, isn't it? Horticulture. It's horticulture. 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 Yeah. Okay. There you go. Horticulture is not horny completely culture. different. <laughs> horny culture is a very different thing. Um, yeah, that's not what New Balance is promoting. So, New Balance also can promote this and and sponsor this podcast. But we, uh, as always, will actually talk about things that are relevant to those who tuned in for fantasy football and actual football. Eventually, hashtag stick to sports. <laughs> hashtag hashtag we like to feel ourselves. So we've got uh, all kinds of stuff in the news. Um, there you go. There's a little tease. Uh, to wrap up, we're going to do uh, – we're going to look at current ADPs that we love and hate. We took this exactly right out of the pages of one Mr. Patty Cooper um, who released an article by the same title on Monday. And so we decided to take inspiration from it and give our own players that we are loving and hating at their current ADP. Uh, but before we get to that, let us drum up the news music. And hit up the news. Uh, sadly, we start the news on a very somber note. Vikings offensive line coach Tony Sperano uh, died this past week at the young age of 56, unexpectedly. Uh, very sad. Uh, for me, I'll always remember Sperano 
for more or less inventing the Wildcat uh, when he was the head coach of the Dolphins in 2008, and then he busted it out against the Patriots and handed them their worst home loss in the Belichick era. Uh, also the only coach to take a 1-15 team the year before and bring them to the playoffs. Yeah, super sad. By all accounts, he's uh, a pretty big players coach. All the players just really like the guy and love playing for him. And it's super sad that he uh, went to the doctor for, um, I, I believe, some chest pains. And ultimately, they sent him home. Um, somebody missed something. Yeah. Yeah, it's just a reminder that the great UGK once said, you know, one day you're here and then the next day you're gone. So uh, it's sad to see him go, but we can use this as a reminder to uh, enjoy the time that we have here. So it's a hell of a hell of a reference there, Clark. Who knew UGK was going to make it into the podcast? UGK and New Balances, man. On brand. <laughs> We're on brand already. Just um, flexing that Houston branding. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, pouring some out to. Tony Soprano, um, who it took me a lot of practice to make sure I didn't say Tony Soprano. But here's to you, Tony Soprano. Uh, moving on in the news, the Rams are back at it. They have made more money appear seemingly out of nowhere um, and signed Todd Gurley to a four-year four-year deal worth $60 million with $45 million in guaranteed, the most guaranteed money to a running back ever. And this leads me to a new segment I like to call when the f**k will the f**king Rams ever sign Aaron Donald? I hope they're just waiting to make like a super huge splash and give Aaron Donald a contract that not only resets the defensive line market, but just resets player contracts in general. I'm not extremely hopeful. Um, one thing to remember about Todd Gurley's current contract is I believe it's four additional years tacked on to the two that he has remaining. So they have him locked in for an addition or for six years now um, spreading that uh, additional money. I believe they might be starting that over the next two years. And if they are, that's like seven and a half mil per year, which isn't terrible. Um, but it's pretty impressive that they're tacking it on, basically giving him a six year deal for the lifespan of a running back. Like that is something that we have not seen really at the position. It's the most guaranteed money. It's a market setter for, I mean, obviously Le'Veon Bell and, and, uh, David Johnson are both looking at this and are very excited. Le'Veon Bell even tweeted, y'all thought I was tripping, um, which he's right. This is exactly why Le'Veon Bell held out and didn't sign anything the Steelers gave him because, now the market's been set and he can come to the Steelers or any team that he you know wants to sign with next year and be like, all right, here's the baseline. Woo me from here. I love looking at contracts as time goes by because uh, you're right. It is a four-year extension. And over the next two years, he was slated to earn about $14 million, And that's pretty much guaranteed that they were going to pick up his fifth-year option. So not guaranteed, but very reasonable. And then if you tagged him twice, that'd be about 12 million and 14 million. So that'd be another 26, which puts us at around 39, 40 million dollars. They're going to get an additional two years that aren't guaranteed out of this. So I think it's actually a pretty clever contract for the Rams, too, in that they're going to have two more years before they need to worry about him going to the franchise tag. And it's kind of what I think they should have done with. Aaron Donald is they're kind of getting out in front of the cap growing and these numbers getting bigger and bigger contracts in the NFL are very rarely what they are reported to be. And it's really cool. Once the details come out to see like how much more money do they really guarantee him? And and is this going to look like Julio's deal looks right. like now where you're like, Holy crap, you're paying for a huge discount. But at the time he's highest paid wide receiver in the league. Right. We had a huge conversation about this when we were talking about camp holdouts about how Julio, this is kind of what happens when you sign big term, you know, big uh, deals in terms of length, you know, for three to four or five year deals is that a lot of the times because the market will always grow and because the cap space will always increase as, as teams get more and more money to work with, you're going to see that those players who had huge contracts at the start, those contracts are going to kind of seem like a deal when they get compared. But, you know, for comparison's sake right now, just to put it in, in terms of how crazy this contract is, and for the running back position, Devonta Freeman and LaShawn McCoy, who are the most recent deals to sign 
got just north of 18 million in guarantees. So Todd Gurley blows that out of the water. Um, and it'll be interesting to see how this plays out uh, going forward because there's a lot of running backs. The position's becoming more and more emphasized, and there's a lot of running backs who are out there who have a lot of talent, who are coming on contract years, uh, who will be looking to cash in like Gurley did. Yeah, maybe um, the Rams are thinking a little bit along the corner I've been in for like the past year that there's going to be a running back renaissance. And having those two additional years tacked on there, that might end up having them be cheaper than what the running back franchise tag will be down the line. Because um, you're going to have players like Kareem Hunt, Alvin Kamara, um, David Johnson sooner rather than later. But it, it's just going to be more fiscally responsible now i guess to get them under the franchise tag and probably just avoiding a whole messy contract negotiation in general because this Le'Veon bell it's got that's got to been stressing out pittsburgh yeah. for a while i think you're right somebody is gonna pay bell and so the rams are betting that the market is gonna come back and right. they're just getting in there first and they're hedging their bets on we like this guy we're gonna go for it Look at Saquon Barkley's guaranteed contract. That, that is one of the coolest yeah, things. Saquon! And I keep waiting to hear details about that that make it not as good as it's purported to be. And they haven't. Like I, I feel like he's really done a lot for players in the NFL by whatever he and his representatives did to get that contract. Because I'm all for guys fully, getting paid, dude. Like, yeah, Baker Mayfield got a fully guaranteed contract as well. Well, what I'm curious about, maybe you guys can help me out, is like most of the at least top 10 rookie deals are like almost fully guaranteed anyway, right? Or is, is I that think, not right? I think so. I think that's true. I'm not entirely sure. I don't I don't know all of the, the cap. I guess to me, the only reason that I feel like this is noteworthy is the fact that it's being directly said that these are fully guaranteed contracts. And again, like this is something that we've just recently seen being introduced to the NFL. And I mean, we are all, all on this podcast love where it's going. We want this to continue. We want all the contracts to be fully guaranteed so that NFL players can, you know, earn what they're rightfully deserve. Yeah. And speaking of cool rookie contract news, whether you like Baker Mayfield or not, how about him telling his agent, like, I don't give, I don't care about the offset language. Let's go. Yeah. They're not going to let me go. I yeah. like, like, man, that's, that's the kind of guy. I'm excited for Hard Knocks, season. baby. I am <laughs> signing me fully aboard the hard, hard Knocks train this year. I think because of the rookie wage scale that the, the rookie contracts are all relatively guaranteed, but it, it's like a drop in the bucket compared to when Sam Bradford was getting a hundred million out of the gate. Yeah. I was insane. Yeah. Um, Rams. Side note. <laughs> side note. Aaron Donald is not reporting to Rams training camp. Can't imagine yeah. why. And I, I just want to kind of make sure everyone remembers that it's like totally normal for veterans to not come to training camp. Like, they're it's not going to hurt your team, and they're going to report, and they're not going to get a deal. So, like, it's interesting and it's noteworthy to talk about. But like. Don't panic if you're if you're worried about Julio. Don't worry, he's playing this year. Don't trade him in Dynasty. Like he's gonna play. Patience. Uh, moving on in the news, one Mr. Jimmy Garoppolo had himself a week. People got their underwear all up in a twist. Which, first of all, uh, where does that saying even come from? Did people like when they got angry? Did they just slide their butts around all day, causing their underwear to just like wedge up their bottoms? Like you know. Where, where, where does that even come from? Anyways, uh, people were freaking the freak out because Jimmy G was having a, was on a dinner date uh, earlier, uh, later last week, I think. I don't remember. Uh, with a porn star by the name of Kira Mia, I believe is, is, is her name. Um, and then Patriots fans all pissed themselves collectively when in a Bleacher Report interview, Jimmy G said that he came to the Patriots uh, after being drafted thinking that he was better than Tom Brady. Um, and honestly, I don't see anything wrong with these things. Jimmy G is an adult, can date who he wants, and I'm sure Kira is a wonderful woman. And the whole better than Brady thing, look, if I am the signal caller, the guy who's running my team, I want him to be cocky. You want a cocky quarterback. That's the whole point of the position. You know, I'm not complaining. You do you, Jimmy G. Yeah, as far as quarterbacks goes, as long as he's a good teammate, I want my quarterback thinking he is the best starting quarterback in the league, even if 
technically he might be the 32nd best starting quarterback of the league. I just want that sort of confidence instilled yeah. in him. And I, as far as dating somebody who works as an adult film star, that's just a profession. You know, I mean, who exactly. cares? Honestly, people can cheat on their pregnant wives with porn stars and pay them off and still hold the highest <laughs> office. <laughs> so, not that we're talking about anyone in particular, but let's, you know. let's not slander a professional football player for dating somebody he likes. I'll, just to echo what you guys said, uh, this never came out when Garoppolo was on the Patriots, so you know he kept his mouth shut when it was prudent to do so. Like you just don't say things about you don't say things like this about your coworkers in any profession. It's just not really cool. And then as far as who some guy who throws ball good is dating, who who cares, guys? Hopefully you got more going on in your life than worrying about someone who you'll never meet dating someone else that you'll never meet. And people so. were all freaking out like, oh, you're the face of the franchise now. Like, you shouldn't be doing this. And, and first of all, dating is different than took someone out for dinner once. I mean, come on, guys. Right. Right. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, I feel like if you are someone who got all up in arms about how Jimmy G is the face of the franchise and he shouldn't be doing this, it says a lot more about you than it says about Jimmy G. Yeah. Please tweet me at yes. NFL Clark with all your feelings. So Tell we can me. talk about it. So we can talk about it in a calm, mediated way. Rational. I read the Bleacher Report piece, and there was a little segment in there. Didn't get as much attention as the porn star thing, but one of Jimmy G's friends from college said that, yeah, Jimmy got a lot of attention from girls because he is handsome and has a chiseled jaw and looks like freaking Clark. Gorgeous. But he said he never dated. He never led any girl on for any particular reason. He was just kind of a, a football guy, and I think it's safe to assume that even with his newfound stardom and fame the way he still has his collective close group of friends around him and his family that he's not somebody that's just out here and is about to go blow all his money away and have like a Vinny chase sort of entourage bit yeah i just and a pet peeve i'm gonna get on my soapbox for just a second like i know that he's a public figure but none of this is any of our business no it's not. Moving on in the news, Clark and Colts fans rejoice. Colts head coach Frank Reich says he plans on playing Andrew Luck in the Colts' first preseason game against Seattle Seahawks. Oh, Clark, as someone who has for the entire offseason lived under the false narrative that Andrew Luck was going to be playing this season, how does it feel to actually be right? Feels good. A lot of those are super early T.Y. Hilton MFL 10 shares are looking a lot better. Uh, and that's the thing about picking binary options is 50% of the time you're, you're right. What well, size are the footballs going to be in that game? Uh, that's a good question. They'll probably be right. deflated. Regulation, right? Are they going to play with Nerf balls? One of those God. vortexes? <laughs> there are a lot of examples of how our 24-hour dues cycle is kind of ruining society. And Jordan, you've nailed one of them. Like, <laughs> the coverage that we've had on Andrew Luck's arm. All it's surprise worthy. Yep, that's really good. Oh, Finally in the news, it's our first sighting of the Lamar Jackson hype train coming into the station. Woot woot! <laughs> Ravens head coach John Harbaugh says, quote, one way or another, he's going to be out there taking snaps. While Ravens offensive coordinator Matty Morningwig handing out heaps of praises to our favorite rookie quarterback saying he's way ahead of the curve. This guy is a hard, hard worker, a tough-minded guy. Cue the run, Paul. It's happening, gift people, because it's happening. Sit down, Joe Flacco. Keep your butt on the bench because Lamar Jackson's coming to take over Baltimore. So one of the hardest things to keep in mind is that confirmation bias is when you've already decided that you think one thing and then you learn something new that supports what you have already thought. I'm trying real hard to not have a big chunk of confirmation bias with these like training camp videos that I'm seeing with Lamar Miller, like, or Lamar Jackson, like already thought he was fantastic. Someone could say like, Oh, Lamar Jackson was nice to the janitors today. I'm like, Oh, (laughs) franchise quarterback, franchise quarterback. Oh, Lamar Jackson dating a poor star franchise quarterback. 
I have a full train car on the Lamar Mil- or Lamar Jackson hype train, but I'm trying to temper it down a little bit until training camp starts when the pads start coming on. I know even then you can't hit players, but I'm just trying to contain my excitement a little bit. I don't want to get out of myself. There's so much to unpack here. Like, so there's sometimes stories of like, oh, veteran guy is worried about the rookie. And then it's just kind of, it's nonsense and there's nothing really going on. But that actually happened this year. Like Joe Flacco, for the first time, got off his ass in the offseason and practiced with some of his wide receivers. Like, Lamar Jackson train's coming. The most difficult thing about this whole thing is saying Lamar Jackson instead of Lamar Miller when we've been doing that for like five years. I almost just did that very thing. Me too. Every time I'm like, Lamar Miller's going to... Jackson is going to be the best. He's... We're paid professionals. This is this is what happens when you listen to a podcast of paid professionals. We know who we're talking about. So there you go. There oh. is the news. And I'm just curious if you are a Ravens fan and you you would rather see Joe Flacco out there, please tweet us. Yeah. Well, you know what, Clark. I'm not going to make fun of you. I'm just Clark. We'll we'll tweet out something from our uh, Twitter at RB1 Podcast. We'll tweet out a poll and we'll say, "Hey, Ravens fans." Who'd you rather have playing quarterback for you this year, Lamar Jackson or Joe Flacco? I would be surprised if one person said Joe Flacco. Or RG3. Let's not forget about him. He could have a renaissance. Who knows? Let's not be rude, Pete. I know. I apologize. Sorry, RG3. <laughs> um, before we get into our current ADPs we love and hate, quickly, a word from our sponsor. Do you need some time off? Do you need to just take a vacation and escape this whole rat race that we all live in? Why not head to the Amazon, a beautiful river that runs through the middle of Brazil in a beautiful tropical rainforest filled with animals and birds that you have never seen before. But it's better because you can also get Amazon online at Amazon.com, where you can get all of the presents and all of the gifts you could ever imagine. Amazon.com. It's like the river, but online. Yeah, Amazon. It's that place where you can get um, online books, and that's what they sell, right? Online yeah. books? Online books? I believe that's what they sell. Um, I am actually a big fan of the Kindle Unlimited uh, package. I use it quite frequently uh, because as someone who's mainly dropped out of society, reading is much better than TV. That's very true. That's very true. I'm reading a dope-ass book. Uh, it's one of these super fantasy novels, and it has like 15 in the series, so it's super nice because I always have like an endless supply of books to read. Oh, that's crazy. I'm on board. They're always like a dollar. Yeah, I okay. love it. Totally on board. Um, all right, current ADPs we love and hate. Like I said at the top of the show, we're 1,000% ripping this idea off from our fellow Fake Teams writer, Patty Cooper. We are building upon building. this great idea. Oh, Clark. Ever the ever the optimist and yeah. uh, and spin artist. Kudos to Patty. Kudos to have Patty. to reinvent the wheel every day. No, oh. he released an article uh, entitled "Current ADPs That I Love and Hate," giving one player from each round that he loves and hates. Make sure to go see it on FakeTeams.com. Uh, I thought about inviting Patty onto the podcast to talk about this to join us, but he's over in England and it is currently like two a.m. there, uh, whatever the time difference is. So. Figured, you know, maybe we'll just stick it to the uh, to the three of us. So um, I'll start because, you know, a lot of the times as the host, I pass off that starting responsibility to one of you two guys. But I want to start with this guy because there's not going to be too much discussion here. We've talked a lot about him on the podcast. I know you guys all love it. AJ Green is going to the middle slash back end of the second round. His current ADP, according to Fantasy Football Calculator, is 2.08, eighth pick in the second round. Um, excuse me. Love that. People are totally forgetting what AJ Green can can do after he's coming off a quote unquote down year in which he still managed 75 catches, a thousand and seventy-eight yards, and eight touchdowns. If I can get him in the middle back end of the second round, uh, please and thank you. Yeah, AJ Green in the mid-second round is just dangerously low. It's too low. It's stealing. It's taking candy from a child. I'm with you. But uh, later this week, or maybe early next week, we're going to have our fake teams consensus rankings articles starting to come out. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so I put together my top 100, and I agree with you that A.J. Green is so low, but with about a dozen guys this year, I'm like, he's too low, comma, 
Who am I putting him ahead of? AJ Green is behind Keenan Allen, Devontae Adams, Michael Thomas, Julio Jones, Odell Hopkins. Like maybe Dude, is, two of those guys. That's tough. This is where I yeah, this is where we differ because I have AJ Green as my fourth running back, uh, fourth wide receiver this year behind Brown, Hopkins, and Odell. I would flip AJ and Michael Thomas, and I might even consider moving him ahead of Julio Jones. I have him ahead of Julio. I mean, I understand what you guys are saying, but you're all forgetting <laughs> that Keenan Allen is going to be the number one or two wide receiver this, this year. Is, this so. is classic Clark, Clark being like, I understand what you're saying, but you're all stupid and wrong. <laughs> I love AJ Green. And man, if I'm picking early in the in the first round and I you know I get one of the big stud running backs and then come back with AJ Green. I am the there. jerk that's like I just won the league. Yeah. I just like, totally won the league. Game. Deal with it. Everyone cry at my altar. That's a good one. I like it. Thank you. Uh Jordan, let's give your give us your first ADP that you're currently in love with. Okay. First one that I'm really in love with and I have been talking about this guy several times because he helped me out last year. Evan Ingram at pick number sixty six. Yes. Sixth round pick four, um, mostly because I think he has the potential to be a top three tight end this season. Um, I don't think he should be behind the likes of um, Zach Ertz or Jimmy Graham or Greg Olson, which he is on this uh, fantasy football calculator. Um, last season, he had 64 catches, 770 or 722 yards and six touchdowns with just a terrible offense. Like there was no Odell Beckham to kind of distract other um, defensive playmakers on the opposite side of the field. Um, and Ingram is virtually a wide receiver. Now that they have Pat Shermer coming in, who's going to completely revamp the offense. Um, I expect Engram to be just as, if not more effective this coming up season, because they're not going to make him block. He's, he's just a bigger wide receiver a big bodied wide receiver and i love him in the sixth round um i'm a i'm a big believer in drafting a tight end fairly early because there are there's not a lot of them and that can be a huge hole on your roster down the line so gotta love a guy going about two rounds too late yeah uh now i disagree with you slightly on his placement but i agree that he's a fantastic value and as a rookie to put up such great numbers as a tight end like of all the positions that just absolutely never perform as rookies tight end is that position yes and i the the pushback i've heard against this which i disagree with but i understand is like well everyone was gone they had no options so all they could do was throw to him but i i i that's true, but I don't buy that's why he was so successful. I think he's so successful because Eli Manning has loved throwing to the tight end, even when he had really mediocre tight ends. And now he has a hyper-athletic star receiver type tight end. So I think the whole pie grows in New York. And I think Evan Ingram surprises a lot of people that are expecting him to regress. I think it's a perfect, I think it was the perfect situation for him because yeah, everyone was dead last year. And so they had to rely on Evan Ingram. He got meaningful reps. He built a huge repertoire with Eli and in that offense, we know Pat Shermer is going to come in and revitalize that offensive attack. And now you're coming in a year two with more weapons, but Eli still always like Clark said in the back of his mind, he knows Evan Ingram is a reliable target. He's going to get him that ball, especially with play action. Saquon draws in those defense, you know, draws in those linebackers, opens up the middle of the field. I think Sterling Shepard is going to be the guy that kind of gets pushed, pushed to the side uh, with Odell coming back. I don't, I don't think that uh, Evan Ingram is going to be someone who's too drastically affected by Odell's return and might actually even benefit. I am fully on more of the Evan Ingram train. Love it. Love it. The uh, had no other choice argument for me. All I hear is because of the current um, collective bargaining agreement and how practice reps are just being monitored and they're not able to have as much practice time. All I'm hearing is this guy just got starting game experience and built up a good rapport with the starting quarterback, which is great for a rookie. Clark, give us your first loving ADP. Well, I'm going to stick with Jordan's, uh, I'm going to follow Jordan's lead here with, I believe drafting a tight end early is worth it. Mm-hmm. And for the past few years, we've debated whether or not Rob Gronkowski is worthy of a mid 
too late first round pick. And now he's going late in the second round. There will not be a team that I own this year in fantasy that if Gronk is available at the 205, 206, that he's not on my team. The only other tight end who's shown half as much as Gronk lately is Travis Kelsey, who I think is a fantastic player, but I am worried about Pat Mahomes stepping in and outperforming one of the greatest or a great performance that we saw from Alex Smith last year. I think that just to assume that he's going to come in and light it up is not a great assumption to be articulate about it. (laughs) And really nail it with all of the things that are changing in new England. You know, what's not changing is Tom Brady's throwing the ball to Rob Gronkowski. They're losing a few targets. They're trying to figure things out. I just, that Gronk is going late in the second is just baffling to me. He'll be on every one of my teams. The one thing I will say to that, because I know Clark knows he can preach to the choir here. I love me some Patriots. Uh, Yes. I think that Gronk is always worth getting on your team because he's phenomenal. And at his best, or even not even at his healthiest, he is hands down the best tight end in fantasy football. Hands down. There's no one comes even close to him if he plays 16 games. Um, The one thing that I will just push it out a warning to all you Gronk owners. When Gronk starts off the season, the first three or four games, not getting a lot of targets, not seeing a lot of yards, not seeing a lot of touchdowns. The offense maybe is a little more focused on the run game or is spreading the football out and around. Do not panic. This is the most Patriots thing in the world to do, which is to conserve Gronk for the games that matter, and then Gronk goes off. Yeah, and to add to that, Gronk is the linchpin to my treat these players as pass catchers and kind of Mm -hmm. throw away that TE that might be at the end of his name or even the WR at the end of some other players' names and just look at the stats, look at how they're used. Um, there's just a breadth of wide receiver talent that you can dig up later in um, in your fantasy draft, but there is a very shallow pool of tight ends. So you can get receivers later, not necessarily tight ends. Just treat them like pass catchers and you'll be fine. Um, do we want to go to hate? Do we want to do our loves to start? What are you guys feeling? I like to finish on love. You want to finish on love? So we'll do back-to-back hate and then finish on love? Let's do a Keep hate sandwich. I love, I love it. That's so nice of you. Uh, so then I'll go with my first hate. This is might be a very controversial one, except for the fact that I wrote about it, so you should see it coming. Alvin Kamara at 106. Six pick overall. Seems ver pricey to me for Alvin Kamara. Clark's shaking his head because, spoiler alert, in the top 10, uh, top 100, Clark has uh, Alvin Kamara ranked very highly. Conservatively. Uh, conser- <laughs> Clark took a very conservative conservative port, uh, approach when regards to ranking Alvin Kamara. I wrote about this on Fake Teams, so you should all go read it. Uh, and I compared Kamara to 2016 Todd Gurley. I'm just not sold that he's going to find the same sort of fantasy dominance that he did last year. There's a lot of things in his environment that are changing. Defenses have a year of tape on him. He doesn't have... Mark Ingram through the first four games to kind of do that balance rushing attack that worked so well for them. Defenses are going to be able to keep in on Kamara that they understand that he is the now the focal point of the Saints offense. I could see the Saints moving a little bit more towards their pass happy attack. I all I'm saying, I'm not saying Kamara is not going to have a good season. It's just if you're investing a top five pick in him, I feel like that's a bit too rich. But Clark, you're shaking your head. You've shaken your head from the get-go. You're high on him. Convince me that I'm a complete idiot and I shouldn't be hating this. I should be loving it. So we usually agree or at least find a way to agree. <laughs> or pretend on that we RB1 agree. podcast. And I appreciate that because I feel like there's enough contentious sports yelling out there. Uh, and if you want to watch Skip Bayless, watch Skip Bayless. Uh, but Pete, you're, you're totally wrong. <laughs> like, Alvin Kamara doesn't play for Jeff Fisher. Alan Kamara is not in a completely inept offense that looks a gift horse in the mouth and just turns it away. I struggled with my rank of Alvin Kamara. He's my number two back because I'm, I'm done trying to talk myself out of why he's not going to be as great as he was last year. Watch him play. No one can tackle him. He's like a grease pig out there. He's fast enough. He plays with Drew Brees. Who, they throw it on first down to the backs all the time. The Mark Ingram suspension 
take it or leave it. I don't care. But I, th- I would be absolutely zero surprised if we saw 225 touches for Kamara and him leading all formats and scoring. I'll watch Jamal Charles. I'll, I, I don't doubt Pete, it. I love you. I'm sorry. I just love Alvin Kamara more. <laughs> no, I totally get it. Like, I knew this was going to get a rise because this is the thing. I totally get it. I just, I think it is, and I talk about this in the article, it's literally because I just have nightmares about this exact thing happening to me with Todd Gurley, where I drafted Todd Gurley as my RB1 back in 2016, and then he just pooped, laid a giant turd in, in the bucket. And I understand Jeff Fisher coach team, differences between Jeff Fisher and Sean Payton. Um, and the last time we saw this was with Chris Johnson. <clears throat> <laughs> Yeah, so I, I just think Alvin Kamara at that position is just in a weird grouping because in no particular order, it's Zeke, Gurley, Le'Veon, and David Johnson as like my consensus top four. I haven't really yeah. done the deciphering to figure out who's going to be one over the other, but then there's just this kind of to a crop of players where it's Kareem Hunt, it's Alvin Kamara, it's Leonard Fournette, guys that are kind of still in their young career. So you really don't know what to expect from them going into the second year. Um, I guess for me, I'm just a little bit more worried about having to pick in that seven through 10 range. (laughs) If I'm in these fantasy drafts, because you just don't know out of those guys who is going to have the best season. Um, I even see in here, like Melvin Gordon's in that range. Dalvin Cook a few picks later, Saquon Barkley at five right now, which is a little bit questionable to me because we don't know what we'll get out of him, but yeah, it's it's just a little. I'm a little skeptical of Alvin Kamara too, just based on rookie performance. He could slide. And and again, if I have, and I don't think this will ever happen in any draft that I do this year. But if I am taking in the back end of the first, and I get Odell Beckham, uh-huh. and we come around the snake, and Alvin Kamara is still sitting there at pick two or three in the second round, I will happily take him there. It's just investing a top five or six first pick. And because and it's also I it also comes from like how I treat my first round picks. I invest my first round pick as someone who I plug and play and I don't have to worry about them except for their bye week. And I don't exactly have that confidence in Alvin Kamara heading into this year. I'm gonna see if there's a new trend. I'm gonna do some some research with fake teams, um, data and analytics. Data. Yeah, and I'm gonna see maybe more recently over the past five years, what players at each position started um, their rookie season and over the fast past five years, see what percentage of them had like increases in production their second year or their second to third year and, and use that. All right. You do that. We'll move on to Clark and Clark will give us his first uh, analytics that he hates. Science, baby. Science. Statistics. Uh, so I, I hate to stick with the onesies, but uh, Carson Wentz is going off at the QB five. Really in standard, my the only real beef I have with this is well ahead of Cam Newton. Mm. So so a quarterback that's consistently finished in the top five, because I know watching him throw is not exactly appetizing but he runs for you know five six hundred yards a year and loves nothing more than stealing goal line touchdowns from his running backs like cam newton is a hyper talented version of tim tebow and that you watch him play and you're like i don't know how he's racking up these points but then he's he's good enough he does it i feel bad that i said that can we edit the Tim Tebow and Cam Newton thing. Like that's, Cam Newton's a much, 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 much different level of quarterback. But like Carson Wentz is coming off a very late season ACL injury, and he looked fantastic. And don't get me wrong, his upside is number one overall quarterback. But why take that chance when you can get Ryan so much later? You can get Phillip Rivers so much later. You can get Andrew Luck so much, Matt Stafford so much later. I just don't know why you would take him so high. I I agree. Cam Newton is like that impossible guy. You have to completely separate separate yourself from like what you see on TV and the stats that you get on your phone. 
Like that's what you have to do with Cam Newton in regards to drafting him in fantasy football. Like every year I'm like, well, Cam Newton throws a lot of interceptions and he doesn't throw the prettiest ball. I'm going to skip on him this year. And then somehow he always ends up as a top five quarterback because he scores, you know, eight touchdowns from the one yard line and runs for 300, you know, 700 yards. And so you're just like, well, shit, mess that one up. Yeah. I, I like Carson Wentz. Like he's a solid young quarterback, but I don't like him being directly ahead of Drew Brees and Cam Newton. Um, Drew Brees is like 5,000 yards waiting to happen almost every season. And he plays in a dome. So that's something that you have to take into consideration compared to Carson Wentz, where it will get super chilly in Philadelphia come December when you're trying to win a championship and win in your playoffs. Um, Cam Newton, Yes, he can be frustrating at times, but then you're watching his Carolina Panthers game and all of a sudden he tucks it and he takes off for 30 yards down the field. So that will just jump you three additional points tacking on to whatever he might have for the day and maybe digging you out of a hole. But Cam Newton is just a solid all-around scorer. He may not be throwing for 350 every single week, but he very well could run and throw for 400 easy. Jordan, do you have uh, your stats that you want to share, or do you want to go to your first hate? Oh no, that one's gonna be uh, oh, that one's gonna be a project. Oh <laughs> wow! Well, this is something to look forward to next week. Maybe Jordan will have his research done, uh, and we can talk about whether or not any rookie running back has had a successful or even improved sophomore season in fantasy. Yes, I will. I will dig into that for sure. Um, give um, us your first hate. My first hate is derrick henry so this is crushing round three good one (laughs) screw the both of you round three pick number two pick 26 overall i think that's just super high because deon lewis is right there like he's literally right there and deon lewis is a starting caliber running back and we do not know if derrick henry will even start the season or be the primary option he could just be again uh a third down goal line type of back, somebody who um, was a good option late in the season. But of course there was all those narratives of him having to take, you know, two to three quarters in order to get revved up and running downhill. Um, And with that, you can also grab Dion at pick number 63. So Dion Lewis could be the starting running back there and you can get him several rounds later, several picks later, and it might be the better option. I like Dion Lewis as the starter because he can run in between the tackles and be a pass catcher for Mariota. I just think that makes him a lot more versatile. This is just Jordan knowing his crowd. He's like, if I talk bad about Derrick Henry, talk about Dion Lewis, I know I'm at least going to have Clark on my side. I'm just pandering right now. Yeah, total pandering. (laughs) Playing devil's advocate. Good, because Derrick Henry is going to have a freaking amazing season. And he might. But making the argument that it's too early to take him, I think is good because there's so much up in the air. So Derrick Henry could take over the role. And I would be, look, as much as I love Deion Lewis and as much as I'm sure that that's going to happen, I also know we are horrible at predicting what's going to happen in the future. So I, I would not be surprised if Derrick Henry ends up with you know, 1,300 all-purpose yards in most of the touchdowns. But he's going in front of guys like LaShawn McCoy, you know, like, barring suspension, he's going to get all of the carries for what we expect to be a bad Buffalo team. He's going ahead of Darius Geis, who, like, yeah, he's going to be splitting carries with Chris Thompson, but, man, some really mediocre running backs for Washington have done really well, even with Chris Thompson there. And behind Jay Ajayi, and Lamar Miller, sorry, maybe that's a little bit of a stretch. Uh, but there's just so much up in the air with Derrick Henry that why would you spend such a premium pick on him when you can get, you know, T.Y. Hilton, Alan Thielen, Amari Cooper, Stefan Diggs, Zach Ertz, Travis Kelsey. Like, I'd much rather have one of those guys than take a huge chance on Derrick Henry. Yeah, I guess I, uh, now that I'm looking at my top 100 rankings, we're just really alluding to this. Um I have Derrick Henry as my RB16, which I guess that feels the, fine. That feels fine. Yeah. I think, I think, yeah, I, I think that anything in the top three or four rounds is a little rich for him. I would be happy to take him in the fifth. I'd 
Yeah, the fifth round is exactly where I think I would take Derrick Henry. I just I I want I want him, I want this to be his backfield. I've loved Derrick Henry ever since he came out of college. I wanted him to be on the Patriots because I love big six three bruising backs. Um, I love Steven Jackson's the greatest running back in my whole lifetime. I love that man. Um, so give me a tall bruising back with dreads, and I'm immediately in love with him. Uh, and I just I want it to be Derrick Henry's back backfield, and I want us not to have to worry about who's going to take snaps from who. But of course, Deion Lewis is there. So God damn it, it's going to happen. Um, so, so in know. an exercise of how you present the data, having such an effect on how people feel about it, seeing Derrick Henry at three oh two makes me feel like that's a terrible pick. But Pete saying I have him as my RB sixteen, I'm like, okay. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. Uh, him being at 302 makes him the RB16. <laughs> so so uh, there you go. It's all presenting the data. Take that for what it's worth. What it's worth. Uh, all right. Second round of hates. My hate. I, I hope I don't have any backlash on this because I feel like this is a pretty, a pretty no brainer. Um, Marshawn Lynch is going at the back end of the fifth round. Maybe I'm just a non-believer. Uh, but what do people realistically expect from Lynch this year? He's going ahead of the aforementioned Dion Lewis, Carlos Hyde, Tevin Coleman, who I've already been on this podcast saying he's going to have a great year. Clark is judging me for that comment. Rex Burkhead and Jamal Williams, all of whom I'd rather have than Marshawn Lynch. No, thank you, Marshawn. I'm sorry. I am not drafting Marshawn in any league, regardless of where he's still available. Yeah, unfortunately, I'm starting to hear a lot of chatter about uh, how some people that know what they're talking about feel like Doug Martin's going to be good this year. And that really pisses me off because I've been getting Doug Martin in like the 14th round of all of these best ball leagues, because I agree with you. And and this is one of those things of like saying last year that you didn't want to draft Antonio Gates. Like I hate to hate on someone who's had such a great career and who I've loved watching play so much, but like Marshawn in the fifth, I mean, I know I just said that, you know, the sixth was too high for Carson Wentz, but I'd rather take Carson Wentz there. I'd rather take Evan Ingram. I'd rather take Sammy Watkins. All these guys going after him. I just, Marshawn Lynch is wait, getting old. Wait, 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 wait. Hold, hold up, hold up, Clark. You'd rather take Sammy Watkins than Marshawn Lynch? Well, wait, you like Sammy Watkins? You like Sammy Watkins? So I didn't until I saw this video of him this weekend. Oh, uh, catching a one-handed pass, and then that completely changed my opinion on him, <laughs> and now I'm in. Oh, perfect, great, great. Well, good. I'm glad that you had a, a change of opinion. Um, I, I just want to add that, yeah, Marshawn Lynch. I mean, he's a, I guess, a solid piece to have. But in a perfect draft by the fifth round, I already have two running backs on yeah. my team. So by that point, with a third running back, I might be looking at a different position but i would probably also be looking at some guys who i'm just gonna hope take a stranglehold on the um starting job like Curion johnson in detroit um gamble between aaron jones and jamal williams i like aaron jones better um you know see yeah. if nick chubb can um take the starting role over in cleveland that's probably what i would do instead because we kind of saw what marshawn lynch was last year i mean even though that was a year, uh, year or so removed from football i feel like we kind of know what marshawn is at this stage and age of his career and i really like that articulation of the strategy of why am i going to get somebody that's maybe going to be a flex for me if i'm lucky when i can take a shot on a guy who may turn out to be nothing right. but he could absolutely dominate a position as well like carry on Johnson or even Rex Burkhead or, or Jamal Williams. Like, and, and that's kind of how I draft too. Like once I get my core, I'm not looking for fill in guys. Like I'm going to swing for the fences, knowing that the, the waiver wires out there seasons, a long season. I hate picking guys that are just okay. Like and why? This is, this is why I need a first round pick. Who's going to get me points consistently. And that's that Alvin Kamara. Uh, Jordan, hit me with your second hate ADP that you are currently not a fan of. So I want to just channel my inner Stephen A here. I want to preface this by saying this has nothing to do with the player himself. 
I love him like a brother. This has nothing to do with his personal issues outside of football. This has nothing to do with him not being to stay off the weed. <laughs> but my second guy is Josh Gordon. Um, in the current ADP, he's going at pick 23. Um, so that's round three, pick eight. Um, like I was saying before, there's plenty of deep wide receiver talent. While Josh Gordon is somebody who has the absolute potential to play as a top 10 wide receiver and be something truly special in the NFL. I just think there's a lot of things working against him. Um, the Browns suddenly have a lot of offensive weapons and that could take a lot of attention, a lot of opportunities and touches away from Josh Gordon. Um, when he was his most successful, it was a little bit like a Evan Ingram situation. And uh, like, of course the Browns were chucking the ball to him because they're the Browns and they had, absolutely no other options um and then they have a new quarterback you know no, whether it's Tyrod or Baker who's starting off the season we don't know uh we don't know how well he's going to mesh with Josh Gordon we don't know if him missing training camp is going to ruin some of that possible early chemistry so I'm just I love Josh Gordon I think he's a great asset a good wide receiver but I would probably be aiming more for him to be positioned as my flex option and not at pick 23 when he could possibly be your wide receiver two, or depending on how your draft's going, your first wide receiver taken. Yeah. And if I can get myself on mute, uh, I agree with everything you said. And I feel like the only reason he's going there is if you look at the folks going after him, it's the last person that you can squint real hard and see as like the top two, three, right. To convince yourself as an as a wide receiver one, even though I agree with you, like it makes sense why he's going there. But I'm with you. I'm I'm just not going to have him if that's what it costs. Yeah. I would take him. I would take him if if I would take him in the fifth round after I've got myself a start. You know, an RB one, RB two, and a wide receiver one and wide receiver two. Hundred yeah. percent, hands down. Take that risk, like Clark was saying. But if, like you were saying, Jordan, like. If you drafted two running backs as your first two picks, your first your first wide receiver you're going to take off the board is Josh Gordon. You have to if you're going to do that, I think that's something you could do. You have to then back it up with like guys who you know are going to produce for you, which is tough when you get into the kind of fourth and below. Yeah, I mean the receivers after Josh Gordon too are um, well, I should say pass catchers. I got to stay on brand. Um, Travis Kelsey is immediately after him. Um, T.Y. Hilton with a possible Andrew Luck renaissance. Um, Adam Thielen and Stefan Diggs back to back with an actual um, quarterback Kirk Cousins, you know, pro quarterback. Um, Amari Cooper, who could have some sort of a renaissance. Juju Smith Schuster, we saw what he did as a rookie was pretty damn awesome. Um, Alshon Jeffrey, Brandon Cooks. Allen Robinson, Larry Fitzgerald, who just doesn't age. There's a lot of other good options that I would probably rather gamble with my top two receiver pick. 100%. 100%. You listing those names, and I was like, well, you could take Josh Gordon and hope one of those guys fall to you. And it's like, no, why? Josh Gordon should be below all of those guys in terms yeah. of ADP. That's just, that's what it has to be. Um, Clark, did we do your final hate? Uh, no, but I can make it quick. Uh, it's Boom. Jimmy Graham. I know he caught a lot of touchdowns last year for a team that didn't have any real wide receivers on it, except for, well, that's not true. I feel bad. Doug Baldwin's good. Doug Baldwin. Uh, uh, <laughs> the Packers don't make a living throwing fades to big statues. I don't see them doing the same thing uh, that the Seahawks have done. And this is another, like, I, I hate to say this about a player that I've loved watching, but Jimmy Graham is just not the same player. And I don't see him really contributing anything other than as a big tall threat. And I don't see Aaron Rodgers taking that chance when he's got all those other options. Jimmy Graham is going to be a contributor for the Packers on the field. He's not going to contribute to your fantasy team. He will be, it'll be like Jared cook where Jared cook had like monstrous plays for the Packers, like that catch against the Cowboys in the playoffs and like big shit like that. You'll be like, Oh yeah. Aaron Rodgers, Jimmy Graham heating up. But it's not going to amount to a lot of fantasy production, if you ask me. So 
I'm completely corrupted because I actually <laughs> talked to Jimmy Graham on Sunday at his um, cornhole tournament. What? Wait, how are we like 40 minutes into the podcast and now Jordan is just casually dropping? He's like, oh, so Jimmy Graham and I played cornhole together and, you know, we just like totally chatted it up. Honestly, I, I totally dropped the ball on that. I should have slid that into the slack. Um, Honestly, you should have been like, hey, you want to come into our podcast? But I do have some some inside information directly from the horse's mouth um, when deciding on a team for him. If you guys remember during the offseason, it was between New Orleans's former home and the Green Bay Packers. He was looking at scheme. He was looking at the quarterback and he was looking at the uh, team's hunger to win a championship. I think they have some things cooking up for Jimmy Graham. I think he's going to be primarily a slot receiver because they brought in big-bodied Mercedes Lewis um, to be the primary blocking tight end. So you probably won't see Jimmy Graham with his hand in the dirt a lot. Um, And as far as his career in Seattle, um, yeah, that front office knew that they made a mistake with Jimmy Graham and how they were using him in the way that they were. So I don't think that Seattle is a very good litmus test for Jimmy Graham. Um, I think when training camp opens, but Jimmy looked healthy guys, he's a big dude. <laughs> he looked healthy, looked ready good. to go. I think there's just going to be a ton of noise around Packers training camp and the connection between Aaron Rodgers and Jimmy. Graham. I'm sorry, Clark, I'm gonna say. Clark. I'm sorry. Scrap everything you said, scrap everything I said earlier in this podcast about Jimmy Graham, Jimmy Graham, First overall, 100% worth it in your fantasy drafts. Again, I'm completely corrupted. You could be the worst offensive player in the league, but if I think you're a good guy, I'm going to be rooting for you. So, I, I can't argue with that. Can't argue. That's sound logic right Science. there. Science? I do um, have to ask, did he look amazing for someone who looked incredibly slow last year, or did he look like he'd had some injury and, and he was actually fast again. Cause there's a lot of running in cornhole. So clearly you got a good <laughs> sense of his sprint ability. Um, I, I, he looked pretty like, in well, that's shape. good. Like, as long as he looked good, then yeah, he, if he looked good. He looks good. He looked every bit of six foot seven and Jesus. he looked healthy and yeah. not at all like somebody who is like recovering from an injury who may have okay. had to be sitting around. He didn't have the Bill Walton strut. Okay. The hobble. That is a win. Putting in the man hours to study the science of what you need. Um, All right. Let's quickly bang out our loves. Um, My love going in the eighth round, 805. Marquise Goodwin. Go and give us a peek of what he could do last year with Jimmy G. Uh, In the six games that he played with Jimmy, he had 33 catches on 49 targets, 462 yards, and a touchdown, averaging almost nine targets per game. Uh, plus, we know Shanahan could take advantage of a speedy wide receiver. He put uh, Taylor Gabriel on the map and made him a fantasy-relevant player for one year. I'm a big fan of Marquis Goodwin in the eighth round. I would 100% snag him there. No questions asked. Yeah, I like him, and I like the way that they were using him last season, especially when our favorite chiseled jaw quarterback came in and started passing him the ball, it seemed like he just had the rapport right away. Um, He's a fast receiver too, capable of taking the ball just yard every single time. Boom. Yeah. And I'm with you. This is what you should be doing with your late round later round picks is picking someone that could blow up. And Goodwin is definitely that profile. Clark, give us your, uh, ADP you are currently in love with. Uh, I am not going to be the only person to say this, and this will not be the only time you hear me doing it. Naheem Hines of the Indianapolis Colts is currently going at the beginning of the 12th round. So if you haven't heard of him, he's a little really fast, talented, pass-receiving running back who also doesn't mind sticking his nose in there uh, on the occasional run up the middle. And I hate the stupid narrative of like, who's going to be this year's Rams and who's going to be this year's Alvin Kamara because these things are unique because they don't happen that often. But who's going to be this year's 12th round pick that may end up being a solid flex starter for you or help you win your league? It's a guy like Naheem Hines who's going into a backfield that's totally up for grabs 
Marlon Mack showed himself to be serviceable, but it's an offense that could go to the moon if Andrew Luck comes back at 80% of uh, where he left us last a couple of years ago. So this is that huge boom bust pick that just like pick him in the 10th. You're going to know if he's just nothing really quickly, but if you can hold on to him for a few weeks, you get him for free, get Naheem Hines on your team. 100%. 100%. Love it. Good. Good job, Clark. Yeah, I like times coming out of the draft. I had him penciled in as like a possible Darren Sproles, Austin Eckler type of just explosive back who can do some things. And I think that's like the most likely outcome for him, which is a fantastic NFL career and you're not going to ever start him. But he has the upside as well of like if Marlon Mack goes down and someone has to get 17 touches. Yeah, there's no one competing with him. Marlon Mack sure has shown something, but it's not like he's got to like oust a, a five-year starter who's established himself in the NFL. No, it's not like he has to overcome like a first-round pick like Mark Ingram or something. You right, know? right, exactly. You know, can't overcome that. Uh, the unassailable Frank Gore. The <laughs> that's why they got rid of him. They drafted Naheem Hines. Oh. Like Frank Gore, we're sending you to Miami. One of my honorable mention hates is Kenyon Drake because of oh. Frank Gore. Like he's oh. going to do just Kenyon enough Dr- to. Can we? Okay, before we get to Jordan's Jordan's final love uh, and and wrap this podcast up, Kenyon Drake might be the most overhyped, overdrafted player in this year's fantasy. I do I can't for the life of me comprehend why people are so high on him. Can either of you in like five seconds correct me? Kenyon Drake saved my fantasy season last year. <laughs> I needed a number two running back. And as soon as JHI left, I jumped on um, Kenyon Drake over Damian Williams. And Kenyon Drake obviously started getting the predominant uh, touches in the role there in Miami. But new circumstances. Frank Gore is there. Uh, Kalen Bolage is a really good, big uh, pass catching back as well. So that's that changes things for me. I don't think you should draft him like he's going to be the starter. By any so the test. tough thing, the tough thing with the workload and the production that we saw out of someone like Kenyon Drake is that's the same production and workload type thing that we saw out of Tim Hightower for the Saints a couple of years ago, and it's the same production and workload that we saw from Arian Foster before he absolutely blew up the fantasy world. Yeah, I. I don't get it either. Like I, he looked, he looked good, but I'm not going to bet on him. Like I'm just going to miss this year. I'd be zero surprised if he gives us 1400 yards, you know, like he he is quick. (laughs) So biggest quality. All right. Jordan, hit us with your, with your uh, final ADP that you're in love with. Uh, final ADP, and this is probably somebody that I've talked to or talked about at length. Uh, Marvin Jones, Jr., at pick number 57, um, fifth round pick number seven, because this is a legitimate wide receiver one that you can have on your roster. If you've been sitting back on your heels waiting to draft a receiver, then Marvin Jones is your guy. Um, In 2016, his first year with the Lions, he had 55 catches, 930 yards, uh, about 17-yard average and four touchdowns. But last year, he was just up all across the board, 61 catches, 1,100 yards, 18 yard average that is the um the highest average among receivers who had 50 or more catches i believe and nine touchdowns um there was also no kenny galladay on the opposite side to take some attention away uh golden tate was there but he's obviously a little bit more of a possession receiver um he's improved every season and he's just a great value at pick 57 like really great totally agree yeah so I know that this hasn't happened statistically. I'm a huge Marvin Jones fan, and I'm I'm in 100% with you. I know that people are worried about Kenny Galladay, and he's a size-speed freak, so I understand that. But Marvin Jones keeps getting better and better, and there's something to be said for watching the games. Marvin Jones makes amazing plays, and so Matthew Stafford chucks it to him. And I, I don't see that stopping. He's really talented. Yeah. I mean, that's I what the that. offense is, is built around. They're going to run it and gun it. And... and there's plenty to go around. So even if you're a huge Galladay fan, that doesn't mean Marvin Jones is going to take some huge step back. Jordan, we are 
we are simpatico tonight. We are in lockstep. Same. All right, everyone. Well, there you go. There are some ADPs that we love and some that we hate. Make sure to go check out Patty's uh, article on the website. He has one for every round, like we said earlier in the show. So there's a lot more people that he discusses, and he gives a lot of people he loves, a lot of people he hates. So make sure to check that out. Baketeams.com. We're like, I was thinking myself to this when I was getting prepped for today's episode. I was like, holy shit, we're like on the cusp of actual NFL things. We've got to like actually start prepping people for draft. I mean, we're, we have real things to talk about. Fantasy football is finally here right around the corner we are going to help you win your championship so make sure to tune in next week we'll be right back at you uh as always make sure to follow us on twitter at rb1 podcast follow myself at pete m rogers follow clark at nfl clark jordan at jordan underscore smith 27 subscribe to us on itunes give us a five-star review helps a lot especially with the football season coming up and we will talk to you guys next week peace